Thank you for tuning in today on Voyage Through the Bible with Billy G. Nolan, where his heart is to fortify and strengthen your relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy this mini teaching, and if you need prayer, if you would like more information, or you simply want to join us as we voyage through the Bible, go to www.voyagethroughthebible.org. We're looking at Gideon, the fourth episode, Voyaging Through the Bible. We're on a car ferry. Marquette, Michigan had several points besides shipping and railroading. They had a university in the town. They had a large state prison in Marquette. So it was a bustling town in those days. There's a mountain outside that town called Sugarloaf Mountain. It's where one of their earliest Boy Scout troops had built a great monument on top of the mountain. To give you a little history, Marquette Island, at the point where Lake Michigan and Lake Ontario and Lake Superior converge, was a fort under the French and was succeeded to the British and then was a fort for the United States. Fort Mackinac had many cannons that were pointed as control of the Great Lakes shipping through that area. On the car ferry, it's in the middle of the, the trip between the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula. It's spring, the weather can change rapidly, and a storm comes up and the waves are causing the ship to shift from one side to the other. We have people who aren't used to that, and there's several of the people that were being transported from the Upper Peninsula to the Lower Peninsula got seasick. It was one real mess. Had to be cleaned up. It had to be put in order. They allowed the people to sit down and kind of recollect their equilibrium. It was one of those things that happened on the car ferry. The overview of the Bible is a story and we're talking about the events in God's calendar. There's a survey of God's timetable from before the beginning of time till after time is no more. The survey is the story of wrecked humanity. We're part of that botched humanity in slavery to sin. The point of rescue and deliverance through Jesus Christ. We'll be looking at the enabling power of God to save the worst and the best, causing his great power to be a part of our lives. Part 4, Gideon's son, the idolater. Abimelech was half-brother to the 70 sons of Gideon. How were the 70 going to rule? Would they each take a spot to rule? Would there be one? How could it be done? Abimelech was raised in a heathen family with Jewish roots. The whole idea was for him to seize the kingdom for himself. 
In Judges 9, 1 through 21, it begins to talk about this. Gideon's living like a king with no dynasty to follow him. He broke God's law in many ways. The ambition that he carried, humility at times, and then mixed with, with God's will, and then led back into idolatry. Abimelech, on the other hand, was a mix of ambition and idolatry in his whole life. He wanted to claim a throne that wasn't a throne, and he wanted to act like a king. His way to do this was to kill all 69 of his brothers. In Judges 8, 33-35, no sooner had Gideon died than Israel again prostrated themselves to Baal. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Gideon, in spite of all the good things that had been done for them. Revelations 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, and those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and liars, they'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. In Isaiah 59.7, their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Abimelech was a very dishonest man. He acted like he was a champion, but this was not real. He acted sometimes like the old chameleon, and yet he was not real. There was times where Israel could be blessed or cursed, and they had chosen the side of being cursed. Pride was the downfall of Gideon, and pride was his son's downfall. But he missed the mark because Johanham, the only son that had missed the killing spree, spoke a parable. He was on the Mount of Blessing and Cursing. From the time of Joshua, there was a one-mile valley between two mountains, and a person could talk in a normal voice at the top of the mountain and being heard completely in the valley below. It was a perfect amphitheater. It's a parable about trees. He's talking about somebody who wanted to be a king. It was an olive, a fig, and a grape. He offered not to accept it. They were all sacrificed, and only the bramble bush or thorn bush was left. It was useless and only could be burned. The other kings would join and the king of thorns, and the king and his allies would be destroyed, each one. Nothing would be left, not even the kings. The parable was very pointed, as you can see. The king had taken the kingdom from the Lord, and, and pride had caused it to happen. In Romans 12, 3, For by grace given, I say to every one of you, 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. Let's just stop and think about this for a minute. Deterioration of faith. It says one place in the Bible that some people will make it to heaven just like their clothes are scorched. It'll be that confining. And what it's saying is you can deteriorate yourself to a point of non-use. In John 4, 34 through 38, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe to harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and the harvester's crop is, in this case, eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus says, one sows and another reaps is a true saying. With all this, Abimelech had three years of great success. It was a small area that was king of. The people of the town of Shechem began to have an alliance with him, but became immediately treacherous. They introduced a man called Gal to to their town. God began to take the king down for the things that he had already done. There were going to be, uh, he was going to be judged by Abimelech for killing the king's family. The Shechemites began to rob caravans and come through, that come through their area. The king's money and reputation was at stake. This fellow named Gael decided that he had an opportunity and he began to raise an army. He knew the king had to do something to strengthen his throne, and Gael asserted himself into the city of Shechem. The king went to war with Gael, and he prevailed. He had a trap, and he intended to use it against Shechem. Gael's army was routed and driven out of the city, and Abimelech had a score to settle with the Shechemites. The men went out to work one day, and while they were outside the city, unbeknownst to them, Abimelech was waiting. He blocked the city gates and went in and killed everyone in the city. The nobles and the people that were in government in Shechem went into a tower to get away from him and to discourage him from continuing to fight with them. Instead, he built a fire at the bottom of the tower and they all died. This is kind of a gruesome story. It doesn't get much better before it gets done. He put salt all over the ruins of the city so no one one would ever build there again. He continued to shed comparatively innocent blood. It was a judgment for the king and a judgment for Shechem both. And he had the destruction because of the destruction of Gideon's family. Next, he turned his attention to a town, Thesbes, which had been part of the rebellion. He was going to do the same things there. The king died by the hands of a woman 
not by battle. He got too close to the tower, and a woman picked up a millstone and dropped it on his head. The armor bearer finished the job killing Abimelech. He died right on the spot at the hands of a woman. So it's one thing to be dishonored. In those days, being killed by a woman wasn't a popular idea. And for years to come, there was a saying that went out about Abimelech and how a woman killed him because he was such a weak king. Let's review whatever you sow, you'll reap. Let's describe, I'm sinful. I've done many sinful things, and they're habit-forming, and I've lived into those sins for years, and now I come to a point in my life where I repent. It doesn't seem to get better because I've sowed bad seed, and I've yet to reap from the evil that I had in my life. But after a period of time, me growing close to the Lord, the seeds of righteousness that I've planted will take hold, and our life will take on a godly dimension, and the blessings of God will flow. This is why when a person slides away from God, backslides, there is a time where they have to repent and allow God to cause them to finish the sowing process and the reaping process. But new victories and new deliverances and new places of joy can be a part of our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Billy on this episode of Voyage Through the Bible. This journey and its many adventures lead you into the mysteries of creation and man, not only to know the Bible, but to experience it and live it. If you would like to sow into this ministry and be a part of somebody else's journey as they learn about God, please visit our website, www.voyagethroughthebible.org.